simple, be of value. I am a great believer that in any circle you want to be in, you have to bring value to it. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. Okay, everyone. Today we have Steve Sims, who is the CEO and also a speaker at Bluefish. And he's also author too, by the way. He's got so many things going on. I'm going to let him talk about in a second. But Bluefish, just at a high level, is a concierge firm offering the highest level of personalized travel, transportation, and entertainment-related services to corporate executives, celebrities, professional athletes, and other discerning individuals interested in living life to its fullest. Steve, how's it going today? It's going well, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So why don't you tell us a little bit, I mean, tell us about who you are, and I want to hear a little more about your story too, because you're a very interesting person. I'm not. That's just the funny thing. My clients are interested. I'm, I'm a dullard. I'm a bricklayer from London, whiskey drinking biker that at the age of 51 is still a whiskey drinking biker. I just happen to work with people from Elon Musk, Richard Branson, Elton John to the Pope. I have been called the real life Wizard of Oz by Entrepreneur and Forbes magazine. And my role is that people come to me when they want stuff, whether it be to get into a fashion show in Milan, close down a museum in Florence get married by the Pope or go down and see the Titanic. I'm the guy that puts all of this apparently impossible stuff together. So, Steve, how do you actually get connected to to rich people? Simple, be of value. I am a great believer that in any circle you want to be in, you have to bring value to it. You know, if if five of your friends or five of the people you want to hang around with own farms, sell or service farm equipment. If you've got people that own boats, have something to do with boats. With me, I didn't know what I could bring value to, but I found a lot of people that wanted to do things. So if I could find a way of them getting into something, I became a value to them. And the more things I did, the wilder the requests became, the more I got known in a very, very small pocket of people that I suddenly became a value to to not so much the rich and famous, but the richer and unknown, which is my target client. Got it. Can you actually, I mean, can you share one of these crazy, wacky requests? And I, I mean, I love stories. and I think the audience does too. I, and I'm sure you've shared these a million times. What do you got? Oh, God. Uh, where do we start? We've sent people down to see the Titanic. We've done drum lessons with Guns N' Roses. We've, we had a client that wanted to meet the rock band journey. We thought that was a bit dull. So we actually arranged for him to go on stage live during concert. And he's now deemed as the shortest term lead singer of the rock band journey (laughs) after singing four tunes live on stage. We've closed down an entire museum in Florence, set up a table of six at the feet of Michelangelo's David, and then had Andrea Bocelli come in and serenade him. We've put people in Formula One cars in Monte Carlo, sent them to all the parties that was going to be featured on a fashion week at the time that uh, she wore that. We've done 
films with uh, ZZ Top, walk-on roles in movies and, and films. Basically, people dream it, and then they come to us, and we're the ones that make it happen. Great. Okay. And so just, I, I'm sure there might be some of these uh, rich, I'm, I'm hoping there are some really rich and anon people that listen to this podcast. So how would they go about work, <laughs> working with you? How do you generally, and you don't need to give the exact secret sauce, but how would you uh, charge or price for, for these uh, these kind of events? Well, see, that's the daft thing. There's no secret sauce here. You, you're not going to ask a question which I'll have a problem answering. I'm a great believer in you pay to play. And if they don't pay, they don't pay attention. So... What I do is now, after 20-plus years, my Rolodex and my credibility are pretty damn packed. So if, if someone comes to me, and usually what happens is they come to me with less than what we're going to actually do because they dilute their dreams. People do that. So when they come to us with an idea of what they want to do, we then add the source to it and make it fantastic. And we work out well, how much time is it going to take us, who's got to get involved, you know, I've got to look after them. Oh, I know Jimmy's going on a school camp, so I'm going to pay for that school fare, that school trip, so that his dad will do this for me to get me into there. So it all comes down to working out what the kind of structure is going to be for me to get you into somewhere that you shouldn't be, what that kind of price margin is. And then based on the workload, it takes me anywhere from 15 to 50% on top of that. Got it. Okay. So if I wanted to do like, uh, if I wanted to get on stage like that, how much would that cost be like a, like a range? With who? Journey. With Journey. All right. So, okay. So let's walk through it. First of all, you've got to give Journey a reason to do it because the easiest way to get told to piss off is to ask how much it's going to cost. Okay. That's the first thing because I work with Elton John. If you walk up to Elton John and go, hey, Mr. Elton, how much is it going to cost me to, to go backstage or play piano with you? Because they don't need more money. No, ex bingo, exactly. So you need to give a value. When we went to Journey, they were just starting their reunion concert and they were um, just going back on it. And they also, the son has autism. So we were able to um, support autism about the concert coming up. Mm, got it. So you've got, you've got to be a value. Every time you go to anyone wealthy, powerful, connected – be a value to them. And so how much would it cost if they weren't in concert? I don't know, a million. If they are in concert and you can add some value to them, I don't know, maybe 150 grand, 200 grand, something like that. Right. So what I'm hearing is you're basically kind of, you're also, I mean, you're not just looking at the monetary thing because that's, that's almost kind of lazy. It, you, you are more so looking at what their interests are and connecting to what's emotional to them, right? Oh, 100%. The money, the money is nothing more than the fuel that gets the engine moving. If you can't go to them with any kind of value, because let's be serious, no one wants to be sold. No one wants to be sold. No one wants to be bought. So you have to give people a reason. And if you had, if you had $100 million in your bank account mm -hmm. and I came to you and I went, hey, I want to do something. Hey, how much is it going to cost me? It's almost going to be disgusting, rude, and insulting to ask you that question. Right. But if I come to you and I go, hey, I really would – I noticed you were talking with Benny. I noticed you were talking to Jason. I really want to get in touch with Jason because of this. What do I need to do to make it happen? Now, there's no monetary talk there. It may come down to, well, you know, you've got to you know, look after me here or make sure Jimmy's done all there or donate to this charity or make, make sure Jason's got something – there will be a monetary content in it, but you want to make sure that the reason 
is there? And then what's the value add? Right. Okay. Well, I guess on, on the other side too, it makes a lot of sense, makes complete sense in terms of how to connect with or, or how to get these, uh, get, get connected with these people. But I, I guess at the same time, when I'm looking at, you know, all these different amazing experiences that you're talking about, how did you go about building those relationships like F1, you know, the journey and all that? Uh, how did that happen? Yeah, it's, uh, I'm a believer. You don't just climb onto the roof. You need a ladder. So everything that I've done and everyone sees me now walking the white carpet with Elton John or going in a SpaceX with uh, Elon Musk or going to an event with Richard Branson. They see those things now which are the 20-plus years tip of the icebergs. They don't see the times when these people wouldn't give me the time of day. So it's very easy to go, oh, you've got it. It took time. And what you would do was someone may want to go to a, a party that was this private party in Beverly Hills or Monaco or Stad, and you would have to kind of like communicate with the people throwing the party or maybe one of the sponsors to let you have a couple of tickets. So it would start off small. And then you would go, hey, that was a brilliant event. I went to it last year, but you know I could help you get more clients that would add to the, maybe the auction element. And then they go, well, okay, then you can have six tickets. And all of a sudden you get involved in that event. And then you can go to another event and go, hey, I've been looking after this event for the last few years. And I've actually done very well at getting the right people. But I've noticed some of the similarities are here. I'd like to help you. All you're doing is getting these connections. And then as my connections grow, if I wanted to get in touch with Journey, perfect example, I need to know someone that can contact Journey that's a peer. It's an even level playing field to them. Because if I phoned up Journey, they would have hung up on me. But if I go to someone that I've worked with that I've got credibility with and I go, hey, do me a favor. So I'm a great believer in leveraging relationships, leveraging clients, leveraging past things that you've done for the benefit of your next whatever. Right. So getting to the level that you're at right now just takes a lot of mini little level ups to get there, right? Instead of trying to swing for the fences and hit home runs all the time, you're hitting the singles first, and then that's going to allow you to hit the home runs that you hit now. You don't see in Forbes uh, maybe 2,000 little parties that I just managed to get people into or right. you know, made sure that they got a table. You know, the, the shitty little things that would not make the front page of Forbes – that got me to the next step, that got me to the next step, that got me to the next step. So, yeah, you're just reporting at the moment on all the big stuff, but it took all the tons and tons and thousands and thousands of the little things that I did to get me to where I am now. Wonderful. Great. So I, I want to I want to block out some time to also talk about, I mean, your your book, Blue Fishing, right? It's the, the art of making things happen. So what can you say about the book? And uh, we'll go from there. Oh, my God. So... Many, many years I've been asked to do a book on announcing all of the, uh, the the powerful people that I deal with and what I get up to. And then Simon Schuster Northwest contacted me last year and they said, hey, we don't want you to do a book naming names because, quite frankly, I could never do that. We'd like you to release a book not on what you do but on how you do it. Now, I mentioned to you at the beginning that I'm a whiskey-drinking biker from London. You've met me. Let's be completely blunt, and it's not rude. I was far from the sharpest person in that room. I'm far from the sharpest tool in the shed most days. <laughs> That's not true. Well, you're being polite now, but I just have the audacity and the ignorance to keep going until I get what I want. 
Bearing in mind, that's the exact same as every five-year-old trying to get a lollipop or an ice cream. So when they asked me about, could I write a book on how I do it? I wanted to try and educate people, not to spend too much time analyzing, worrying, being fearful, and actually try to do something and see where they can get from that. And so I was able to put a book together that was hopefully my legacy product on just being able to tell people, look, stop worrying that you didn't go to Harvard. A bricklayer from London did this with the Pope. What's your excuse? And so that's, that was where my viewpoint and my attitude and standard came from the book. And it blew up, uh, became a bestseller. There's a course out on the stuff. It's, it's put me into a whole new stratosphere, which I had no idea I would be in. Got it. And when you say you've been put into a new stratosphere, I, I guess what was kind of what, what are some of the after effects? I mean, I mean, you th- you mentioned before we started the the speaking and all that. What can you speak to there? Well, my website doesn't even have a phone number or a way of contacting us. So to say that we were the anti-promotional company, we were a really big deal to maybe three hundred billionaires in the planet. So we went from being very very unknown. And almost avoided, because you've seen me, you know, I'm a big lump of ugly. That's <laughs> not true. <laughs> it is, and you know it is. But I'm a big lad. Let's be honest. If we didn't know each other, or if we weren't in that room, and you saw me walking down, if you took a shortcut through a car park, and I was walking the other way, tell me you wouldn't be a little bit concerned, or you'd have your hand on your wallet. Oh, no, not concerned, because I'm just a little tiny Asian guy, so anything's bigger than me, so I would not be concerned. <laughs> okay, all right. I've got that look, and if anyone looks me up, they know exactly what I'm what I'm talking about. Tats, eyebrow piercings, all that kind of lovely, affectionate stuff. But what happened with the book was it suddenly propelled me into a an arena where people that probably couldn't afford like you know three or four million dollars for an event, they kind of knew who I was. So then I was getting people going, "Hey, can you speak at this event?" And I've always consulted big uh, award shows, jet chart companies, jewelry firms, car manufacturers on how to brand and get that message out to new money, entrepreneur money. Now I'm speaking to entrepreneurs, telling them how to make their own money and how to get the clients. So I'm doing way more consulting. As I said, I've got a, a coaching program out there on Bluefish Steve. The book's doing really well and getting me more speaking gigs, more consulting. Yesterday, we actually looked at my calendar and I don't have a weekend between tomorrow and we're in July through to November. I don't have a weekend available where I'm not somewhere speaking or consulting or coaching. Wow. And that all came from the book. It all came from the book. You know, be careful. You know, I remember speaking to Jay Abraham, good friend of mine. And he said to me, he said, um, doing a book is not going to get you a beach house. What comes with it if it's successful gets you to beach house? And I remember the time thinking, I don't kind of understand that, Jay. The book came out. I get, oh, what is it, like 30 cents or 65 cents a copy? You know, nothing is going to buy you a round of whiskey, you know, the type of whiskey I drink. <laughs> but it's not going to make you money on that. But everything that's propelled from that, without me realizing it, launched an entire new industry for me. I was more well-known. I was doing bigger gigs. I was being paid speaking gigs. I did a speaking gig a little while ago. Really funny. Halfway through the gig uh, or halfway through the day, they turned around and said at the VIP party tonight that I was there to do another little fireside chat. We'd like to do a photo shoot with the VIPs 
and here we'll pay you extra for doing that. And I thought, shit, people are paying me to have selfies with me. <laughs> this is just ridiculous. So you've got to be really careful when people are out there and they're thinking, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to release a book. Really stop for two seconds and think about why are you doing it? Is it to make money? Is it for credibility? Yeah, there's many, many good reasons to do, do a book. None of them are to become a billionaire because people will t- people may be listening to this now and they'll go, yeah, Steve, you know, you want to talk about people that are rich doing books? Look at J.K. Rowling. Well, let's pick on her for a second. She didn't become a multimillionaire by writing the books Harry Potter. She became a multimillionaire by get, selling the rights for the movies, the toys, the products, universe, all those things. Selling a book doesn't make you rich. Everything else that comes with it does. I love it. So you need to be ready that you've got space to harness those and you want to actually react to it. As I said to you before, I spend a lot of time in my life spending rich people's money on making them smile and giving them better cocktail stories. My life has literally gone 180. Now I'm training entrepreneurs in, uh, there's a hat designer. I've got a fantastic cosmetics line that I'm working with at the moment and building their company up to the pedigree that they're going to be able to do all of these things themselves. It's, it's a complete reverse and I'm really having a lot of fun doing it. Wonderful. Well, congrats on the success. I mean, Cheers. when you say bestseller, what um, what bestseller list was it on? There was the usual Amazon, and there, it wasn't Wall Street, and it wasn't New York Times, but the Simon Schuster told me that there were two others. To be completely blunt, this kind of stuff can be like staring at paint. So if you've written a book that you're proud of, it's nice to get the reviews. It's nice to get the acknowledgments, but don't hang your hat on it. Right. So... Um, I don't know what the rest is. You know, one thing I was considering, we were talking about the, the book that I'm working on right now, and it's you went with a you went with a publisher. They have the distribution and all that, and that's one of the reasons why I'm going through a a, um, a publisher as well. Do you think they helped a ton with the promotion, or if if if, if not, or um, you know, what, what else did you do for promotion to really get it up there? I love my peeps up at Simon Schuster. I'm gonna tell you that categorically, I love them. I love them. And they were so shit at marketing this book, it's not even funny. (laughs) It was so much drama and things falling through the cracks. If you're expecting someone else to market your book, and in fairness, that's not their job in any case. Their job is to publish and distribute. But uh, when we we first started speaking with them, I was like, well, hang on, you're going to do all of this marketing for, and you're going to get me here, and you're going to get me there. None of it came through. And I decided very early on that people need to hear from you. So getting a book through a publisher, I think, is fantastic. But no one can market you better than you can market you. Right. So I think, I think podcasts are brilliant because they're instantaneous. Now, if someone – I remember in the old days, you, know, you go back like pre-2004 – and if you had an editor walk through your, your door and they went, hey, we want to do an article on you in Forbes, the question you would ask is, is it in print or is it online? And if they went, oh, it's online, in those days you would go, because it wasn't as regal, it wasn't as high-end yeah. as actually having an article in the magazine. Do you remember those times? Still now. Well, yeah, but here's the thing. 
if you get an article, and we get, we got Forbes, I had Forbes, I think, three times last week. So we get a ton of media now. And I actually teach how to get media in, in my courses. But we get a ton of media. In the old days, when you got an article, you then had to buy 20 copies and send them to your best clients or photocopy and send them as a bloody attachment or a Dropbox link. Now, if you can get an online article, you can distribute that to millions of people in a second. And so getting online is fast. Getting podcasts are brilliant. You know, you made a joke about, oh, I've done a million of these. I can tell you quite, quite accurately, I've done 372 since November. Wow. Because what I do is I make a note of when we're going to do this, who you are, your email. And when, and when this comes out, I will add that link to my sheet. And so I, I'm a great advocate for podcasts as being the greatest promotional tool out there. Because, again, let's be honest, in magazines, they don't get your voice. But people are listening to this now and they're going, oh, he's from Texas. We can tell. But if there was an article on me in Forbes, you're not going to know where I came from. Right. Well, I, I guess, you know, that, 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 that's actually really remarkable because you, you talk about, I've never heard about somebody kind of pushing the, the podcast promotion to the level that you're pushing it to where you have 372. So how did you go about even, you know, sourcing that list of 372? Is it just kind of, you know, um, you had someone, what did you do exactly, I guess? What's the process? All right. So again, and we should, because we I don't think I fully answered your question on the promotion of the book. I actually am a great advocate for getting a good publisher behind you because without these guys, I would not be launched in China. They've got me in China, Australia, Thailand, Vietnam, and Japan, apart from America. So these guys are brilliant. So the publishing and distribution, they're fantastic at. The marketing and media, you need to do social. You need to do it yourself. The podcasts, you can very easily, and it doesn't take a lot of work, go on to Fiverr. Or if you've got kids, I'm a great believer in child, uh, child labor. <laughs> get your kids to go and get, go and look at the top podcasts in business and try and niche it down. Okay. So what I used to do with a lot of the podcasts is I would try and find the smaller podcasts that are looking for something interesting. Now, we all know Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss is a cool cat. We know Jason Gay and I, you know, and, and I'm, because me and you, we know that we know those guys. Mm -hmm. They've got great following, okay? They've got big numbers. But I'll tell you, the loyalty's in the small ponds. It's true. It is. So everyone's out there going, oh, I, I want to get on Ty. I want to get on, on Bill. I want to get on Tim Ferriss. I want to get in Tony Robbins, Jay Abraham. Yes, that's great. That's like getting the Forbes, the New York Press, those kind of things. But if you're on a local little podcast that maybe has 2,000 subscribers, you are in a captive audience. And I'm telling you quite simply, there's greater loyalty in smaller ponds. I'll tell you what. What? I mean, you know, you, you look at, so I have two podcasts, right? You got this one and then the other one. The other one ha actually has about 700,000 downloads a month, but it's strictly a, a you know, one-on-one -on -one marketing podcast I do with my co-host. But this one, you know, we get about, you know, 100,000 downloads a month. And I like this audience way more because it's much smaller and it's an entrepreneurial-focused podcast. But anyway, sorry, I cut you off. Well, no, you didn't. You validated what I said. So you, you can do that all day long. Brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> But you, if, you can, if you can look at the podcasts and, and try to find those, and let's be serious, those are still big numbers. But we always know 
it's it's like if I've got a on my my one of my uh, w- websites, I've got one hundred and fifty thousand, no, one hundred and thirty thousand subscribers to my email. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Let's play the wow game for a second. Okay. 130,000 subscribers. If any of those subscribers are for major organizations like law firms, banks, anything like that, nine times out of 10, that server will stop my email getting to them. Mm. Out of 130,000 emails, usually the open rate is around about 20%. Yep. All right. So we've gone from 130 to, you know, 30,000. Now, of the open rate, that open rate is also classed as an open when there's an autoresponder telling me they're, they're on holiday or something. So it's the click-through rate. The bottom line of it is, without dragging it on, when you've got 130,000 subscribers, you're lucky if 5,000 people are actually reading your email. Mm-hmm. So the big numbers condense real fast to small numbers. If you've got a small, loyal crowd on a podcast – of about a 1,000 people downloading this. It's also evergreen, so they can go back to it again in the past or in the future, should I say, but you get a much bigger response. Every time I do a good podcast, I get connected, I get contacted, I also get the host contacting me going, oh, this has been great. When the podcast gets released, make sure that not only you promote the podcast to your people, like I will, I will promote this podcast to my group i will also go on to where you're hosting it and i will comment on that and if someone goes on there and says steve sims he doesn't know his head from his butt i can go on and go hey i'm sorry it didn't resonate with you it's not for everybody but make a comment take the time to provide feedback both good and bad on whatever you get wonderful so steve i mean we're working towards wrapping up here so people can pick this book up on amazon anywhere online Oh, anywhere. I've got a website. You know, should I tell them the website? Uh, we can we can hold the website till the end. Uh, we'll, we'll put all your contact information at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Anywhere like Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, any of those kind of things. Bluefish in the art of making things happen. You can find it on all the usual suspects. Cool. So we'll do a quick wrap up wrap up for the for that one. Uh, but I guess you know, in, in terms of tools. So I, I I always like asking this 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 question all the time. What is one new tool that you've added in the last year that's added a lot of value to your life? So it could be like Evernote or it could be like you know a bicycle. Text. Last year, I started playing around with video text. Now, I would say probably 90% of my my communication is video text. What does that mean? Well, and it's time-consuming. It's very, very time-consuming because there's no mass program yet that you can actually mass text a video. There's people that you can mass text a statement but not a video. You wake up in the morning. You go to pour your coffee. You look at your phone. You've got 400 emails. On that phone, you've also got two texts. What do you answer first? The text. Bingo. If I send you a video text where I, I've recorded a little message going, hey, Eric, I wanted to chat with you. Uh, we're doing some great things. Or just, hey, Steve, thank you so much for being part of the family. Hey, I've got a new thing coming out. Click below. Tell me if you like it. And then I text you that video. You wake up in the morning, you open up your phone, and there's a picture of me from the screenshot of that video. Now it's interesting to you. Mm. Now, if you think email was getting an open rate, of like 5,000 for every 100 plus thousand, I send out maybe 2,000 video texts and people respond immediately before you, you have to, you have to stretch it out. If you've got a thousand cell phones that you're going to be sending this video to, 
do them at 100 a time because by the time you've got to the 50th, people are responding. Wow. And people respond quickly to text. You get an email. I send you an email. In fact, you know, you may lie here, but if I send you an email, you may wait until tomorrow to respond to it. But if I send you a text, I'll probably get some kind of quick response within the next 10 minutes. That's actually true. I'm actually really bad at answering emails. I think I, I'm backlogged by like a couple of weeks right now. So what you said is true. No lie. Yeah. So I started focusing on the video text. Again, it gets your voice across. It gets your style across. You, you know, I, I'll be maybe have mo- motorcycles in the background or last night I was at a bar. I did a quick one in the bar and I sent it out this morning to about 50 people. I'm in a bar so you can hear a bar in the back. I've got a whiskey in my hand. I'm going, hey, it's a bit noisy. But I really wanted to let you know that I'm doing this tomorrow. So please keep your eye open for it. I love it. Just little stuff like that. So it's smaller numbers, but I'm on about, I'm up in the 90 plus percent response rate. Wow. That's incredible. See, all the marketers that listen to this, there's something to take away from there. Make it personal. And then people are almost, part of it's almost like they know that you went above and beyond to do that. So they, there's a little more obligation to kind of re- read it and respond to it, right? Absolutely. All right. So the final question is, what would be one must-read book you'd recommend to the audience aside from your own? Aside <laughs> my own. Oh, The Places We Will Go by Dr. Zeus. Interesting. Yeah, I remember Jay Abraham gave me this book once, and I, I looked at Jay and I thought, you know, what are you doing? And he gave me this book, and I read it to my kids when they were kids, high teens now, so they're not exactly kids. But it's a real good book on telling people that don't always try to control everything, go with the flow. And it's a really good mindset. It's done by, obviously, the wacky wild Dr. Zeus, Mm -hmm. who wasn't even a doctor. But it's a really good book to get you positioned in understanding that shit's going to come your way. Just roll with it. You know, let it go. So I have to admit, that that book's always stuck in my mind. There's a lot of good books out there. You know, um, I think Mastermind Dinners. Is fantastic by Jason Gaynard. Yeah. Because he really did break it down into just a simple, stupid format that anyone can understand, but is incredibly impactful and powerful. The uh, the Tim Ferriss book was cool, but his his books always are cool. Um, but yeah, I would I would if I had to put one up there on the pedestal, I would put uh, I'd probably put that one up there. The uh, Jason Gaynard Mastermind Talks, Mastermind Dinners. Yeah, that's really good. And he has a bunch. I always talk about all the templates that he has available online, too. But I'm going to put both of these in in the show notes or actually all three. I just ordered as you were talking, I just reordered the Dr. Seuss book because I think it's it's good perspective to have. And it's only 13 bucks. Yeah. So I always think books are, you know, nice cheat codes that you can use. Um, but anyway, what is the best way for people to find you online? So I've got a website, stevedsims.com. If you're in the U.S., you can actually text Ugly Sims, that's ugly and then S-I-M-S, to 345-345. But go on to Steve D. Sims, you'll see some videos on there, you'll be able to see some interviews, and you'll also be able to get the playbook. I actually, you talk about cheat sheets, if they sign up, they can actually download the cheat sheet of Bluefishing. So it's a pretty cool give. Awesome, Steve, thanks so much for doing this. It's been a pleasure, thank you. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.